Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. All right, so the, the context of Daniel 7, it is the time of the end, the great tribulation, and the, se- the second coming of Christ. So when you're studying the chapter, that's why there's so much emphasis on the fourth beast, because that's what that, that beast comes up, that those ten kings rise up and in the time of the tribulation. So that's the, that's the focus. Um, now, if you were to con- contrast Daniel 7, verses 7 through 9, with Daniel 2, verses 41 through 44, the, the fourth beast of Daniel 7 and the feet and the toes of Daniel 2, um, there are some similarities there that are interesting, but these, these are the characteristics. So, uh, Daniel 7... This kingdom is, and it's, it's interesting because you've got to think about it again from, from this perspective. Daniel 2 is coming from the perspective of what? Historical. Well, historical, but from a man, right? Daniel 7, God is telling you uh, this last beast, it is dreadful, terrible, Strong exceedingly. It is uh, has great iron teeth. It devours and breaks in pieces. And this is what God. This is what God thinks about this beast. Uh, it stamps the residue of the people. It's diverse from all before it. Um, has ten horns. And guess what puts it down? The Ancient of Days. Well, the judgment from the Ancient of Days. Not, not the Ancient of Days himself. It's actually the Lord Jesus Christ who puts him down, but that, that's the progression of the verses when you read that. Now in Daniel 2... 
mingled with potter's clay, iron mingled with potter's clay, um, it's divided, has the strength of iron, Um, it's part strong, part broken, mingled with the seed of men, and then, once again, then came the God of heaven and set up his kingdom. All right, so, so both kingdoms, when a man looks at it, it says, oh, you know, it's just, it's a united people. It's the world coming together. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. They're mingling together. Yeah, but they're, they're divided. Well, that's okay. Well, it's a divided people with the strength of iron. It's partly strong and partly broken. But Jesus Christ is going to put it down. Then, Daniel 7, God's looking at that same group. So this is man looking at it in Daniel 2. Daniel 7, God looks at it and says, they're dreadful, they're terrible, they're strong. They have iron teeth, they devour, they're going to stamp my people. They're diverse from any other kingdom that came before them. They have ten horns, but I'm going to bring judgment and put them down. So, whether you have the positive outlook of man <laughs> looking at the beast, or you have God's outlook looking at it, either way, God's taking them down. It will be Jesus Christ who comes and puts them down. Did you have a question? Okay. Anytime a ruler shows up who is connected to iron, he will also be closely connected to Satan. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit last time. If you study iron through the Bible, there's commonly a connection with Satan, uh, bondage. It's, it's never a good thing. The fourth beast was diverse from all the previous beasts. Therefore, it is not Rome part two. It is distinctly different from the previous beasts, kings and kingdoms. We're not looking for Rome revived. We're looking for a religious type of political leader who is supported by these ten kings. We don't focus on barcodes or chip implants. We're not focused on Europe or Rome, not even Babylon, but for a man supported by ten kings. That's the future coming kingdom that everyone needs to be concerned about. Now, hopefully we won't be here for any of it. Um, I, I think you could possibly make the argument that that maybe these kings or part of this will, will, will come to be before the tribulation starts, but they won't come to full fruition until the tribulation starts. Um, but whether, whether, they, whether it starts just before the tribulation or if it's wholly given to the tribulation, which I think it's probably wholly given to the tribulation, um, we won't be here when it, when it has its full power and, and reign. The, the church will be gone. Now, let's do some comparisons. We, we've done a little bit of it already, but uh, it's worth seeing again. You probably want to read it all again. Uh, I want to, I want to, we're going to make some connections. I'm going to introduce you to another concept here, um, <clears throat> which we'll talk about more, especially by the time we get to uh, chapter 
9. Chapter 9 deals with it a lot. Yes, sir. So chapter 7 is after the rapture? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, uh, well, the fourth kingdom. So the fourth kingdom is in the middle of the, it happens in the tribulation. Now the first, obviously the first three kingdoms, no. The first three kingdoms take us up to Rome. Then that fourth kingdom comes up. It's, it's the feet and the toes of Daniel 2. It comes up in, during the tribulation. All right, you're going to see this a lot in the book of Daniel. Time, times, and half a time. All right, this, we're going to, we're going to read it. I'll go ahead and write it here so you can see it. This equals 3.5 years, which references the Great Tribulation. Who knows the difference between the Tribulation and the Great Tribulation? No, that is true in the Bible, but that's not what we're referring to. So the, the tribulation, what we call the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. All right, so it's, it's all about the Jews, right? It's, it's God finishing his work with the Jews, okay? The tribulation is made up of two parts. The first 3.5 years is the tribulation. The second 3.5 years is the great tribulation. All right, what happens halfway through the tribulation? Well, the breaking of the peace treaty. So the Antichrist makes this peace treaty. Everything goes great for three and a half years. Halfway through it, he breaks it. And when he breaks that peace treaty, we go from tribulation to tribulation like you have never seen anywhere on the earth at any time. We go to great tribulation. All right, so that, that, that is a, a distinction that is made and uh, I believe we'll see it at least hinted at in, in some of the things that we're about to read. And so you have three and a half years. This three and a half years of time, times, and half a time is, is usually referring to the Great Tribulation. All right, everybody with me so far? All right, well, it's also going to be 42 months. And it's also going to be 1,260 days. They all, it's the same thing. So time, times, and half a time is referring to the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, which is also 40, 42 months equals three and a half years. And 1,260 days equals 42 months or three and a half years. Everybody with me? All right. All right, Daniel 7, verse 7. 
let's look at some of these these comparisons. Uh, well, now the first couple have to do with we've already seen them, but uh, we'll, we'll read them again. It has to do with the beast making war with the saints and, and and all that kind of thing. And then we'll talk about this. We'll read the verses on the time times and half a time. All right, verse seven. <clears throat> After this, I saw. In the night visions, and beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. All right, so it stamped the residue. Um, the residue, if you search the residue of the people, in the Bible, it's always going to point you to Israel. Now, it is used, uh, you know, that term, the, the residue, is used a few different ways occasionally. But when it's talking about a people, almost always. there may, And again, there are a few other references outside of that, but almost always it's talking about Israel. And another way that it says it is the remnant. All right, so... Um, so this beast is going to make war. He's going to stamp, stomp. Like today we would say he's stomping on them. We're saying he's stamping them. He's trampling them underfoot. He's going to go after God's people, the nation of Israel. Now, why isn't he going after the church? We're gone. <laughs> Not an option. Sorry. All right, hold your place in Daniel 7 and uh, turn to Revelation 13. And we'll see a comparison here or, a, or a, something very reminiscent of what we just read. And verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Verse 2, um, oh no, that, that last verse we're looking at, we were looking at, um, at what I meant to point out in the last one was were the ten horns of the beast, which we read in Daniel 7.7. 7. And so it's repeated here in 13.1. Um, so go flip back to Daniel real fast. Sorry, I, I, I was looking at the wrong list. But um, look at Daniel 7 and verse 21. I beheld the same... And the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Uh, now, we're going to look at it in a minute, but why, why wouldn't he prevail against us? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. All right, so it's just one more little detail that this is not the church. The church is not going through the tribulation. We're not going to be a part of all this. It, it, the, the, the tribulation is a reference to, to the time of Jacob's trouble. It's Israel. All right, now, but, but that's not the point. I just, and, and we'll see that again later. Um, he's going to make war with the saints. Look back at Revelation 13 and verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Uh, Keep your place in Revelation 13. Look back at Daniel 7 and verse 25. 
And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of times. Now, the dividing of times is it's another way of saying time, time, and half a time. All right. Now, come back to Revelation 13. Verse twenty, uh, verse five. Uh, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. All right. So, so we'll add this up here. But this is another way to say this is dividing of time. All right, so it's, it's half a time. It's that 0.5 years. All right, now, with that in mind, look, look, if you're back in Daniel 7, look at verse 25 again. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until time and times and the dividing of time. All right, so that's... What we're going to look at now, look at Revelation 13 again, and we'll, we already saw it, but let's, I'm going to look at it with all this in view, um, and just stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Verse 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. That is obviously not the verse that I want. It's actually verse 5 that we already read. I don't know how I did that, but look, look back at verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And... Uh, May have been repeated there again. I'm just not seeing it. Or I wrote down the wrong, the wrong verse. I'll blame my wife again. She's not here to defend herself. Now, mind you, she wasn't anywhere near my study when I was doing this, but that doesn't matter. We are one flesh. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 6. And the woman, uh, excuse me, yeah, and the woman uh, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her three or feed her there a, a thousand two hundred and three score days. So that's where the one thousand two hundred and sixty days comes in. One thousand two hundred and sixty days, according to the Jewish calendar, is three point five years. We're going to see it one more time. Look at Revelation uh, chapter twelve, verse fourteen. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. All right, so that's, that's a hard fixed. Now, you're reading in chapter 12 about the woman fleeing. Who is that woman? Huh? Say it again. Israel. All right, now, they don't flee until... Until this time comes. And then we go into great tribulation. 
right? And so they, they take off and get out of there, and, and it'll last three and a half years, and then Jesus will come back and put things right. Uh, each, of, each of these is equal to three and a half years, referring to the last three and a half years of the tribulation. This time period is known as the Great Tribulation. All right, Daniel 7. Verses, we'll read verses 9 through 12. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the, like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, thousand uh, thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Verse 11. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed, and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Okay. Um, If you struggled with what we've done so far, (laughs) uh, it's about to get even more interesting. Now, I don't think it should be, or at least it shouldn't be controversial. It should be interesting. It shouldn't be controversial. Uh, But this is going to be a little less common of a teaching than even what I've showed you so far. And that's not my goal. It is not to be uncommon. I I promise. My goal is to try and be as right as as I am physically capable and Lord helping me, that's what I want to do. Uh, I search and I search and I read and I read and I try to look at everybody's perspective and I try to take it serious and I test it and I try to see if it fits and if it makes sense. And if it doesn't, then I have to throw it out. That doesn't mean that I'm the, uh, the, the gatekeeper of truth or anything of that sort. Um, but I mean, sometimes it's blatant. You know, the, the traditional teaching sometimes is so bad, it's not hard to see it. And sometimes it's close. Sometimes it's, it's so close that I can say, oh, okay, I can see what, what's happening here. I can see what they're talking about. Um, and and, and that, that works out great. But this one is going to be a little out there for some people. There is a judgment here. In the verses that we just read, all right, the Ancient of Days. Is sitting in judgment. Who's the Ancient of Days? If you had to guess. So the Ancient of Days in this context is the Father. It's it's God the Father. And I'll show that to you. I'll demonstrate that to you in just a minute. Uh, So... In this passage, prior to the Lord's second coming, 
Okay, so let's create a timeline here. Number one, something's going to happen. And then after that happens, the Lord comes in, in the clouds. Prior to the Lord's second coming to the earth, everybody just say a quick prayer and then, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll slide into this like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, brother. <laughs> the Father judges the principalities and powers in the second heaven. Does everybody know what I mean by that? The Ancient of Days judges the unclean spirits in the second heaven. And it seems, according to this passage, that has to be done before the Lord can come back. I think I can demonstrate it pretty clearly, so just just um, let it soak in your mind and then follow me as we go through this. Now, often in the Bible, human kings act under the control of some principality or power. All right, now we know that Satan is the god of this world. Um, uh, we, 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 the Bible talks about us wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the rulers of the, of, of the darkness of this world. And, um, and well, let's look at a few examples. That, that'll help. Turn to Ezekiel 28. That'll be more clear. It'll be easier to then. Ezekiel 28. And let's read verses 11 through 19. Verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. All right, so the Lord is going to judge the king of Tyre or Tyrus. Same thing. All right, now... The Lord says, take up a limitation against this earthly king, right? But then who does he end up talking to? Who does he end up actually judging? Lucifer, the devil, Satan. All right, so let's, let's continue. Verse 11, where was it? Where am I? Uh, chapter 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the psalm, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, either the king of Tyrus is an unbelievably handsome man, or the Lord's talking about something else here. Uh, if he's that handsome, ladies, I mean, you <laughs> find you a king of Tyre. Uh, I mean, I don't suggest that he's controlled by the devil, but at least he'll be beautiful. Isn't that often the trade-off, though? Oh, she's so beautiful. Yeah, but she's a harlot. <laughs> but look how beautiful she is. Your life is going to be miserable if you marry that woman. But she's so beautiful. Okay. Have at it. Enjoy. Don't call me when it falls apart. Verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden. 
Okay, not only is he beautiful, but the king of Tyre is really old. And we, we thought only Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they were confronted by the serpent, but apparently the king of Tyrus was there also. That's what people say, well, God was talking to the king of Tyrus. Sort of. Now, the king of Tyre, Tyre is being judged because he's allowed himself to be controlled by someone else. And who is that someone else? The devil. Right? So, so he's under the control and the sway of the devil, doing his bidding, doing what he says as the king of Tyrus. And God says, I'm going to judge the king of Tyre, but I'm also going to judge Satan at the same time for his role in it. All right? and, and, and so he goes through this whole thing. Let, let's just read it real fast just so you can see it, because it goes deeper and deeper into the fact that this is not the king of Tyre that, directly that he's talking to. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, uh, the, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabarets and, the, and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. That'd be an odd-looking man. He's made of precious stones, and he has pipes in him. <laughs> This is Satan's relationship to music. This is why it's so important to be careful what you listen to. In fact, before I got saved, uh, one of the things that prevented me from getting saved was the music I listened to. I understood in my mind, if I got saved, I had to get rid of this music, and I didn't want to do it. And, and so I struggled with it. And then I finally got saved, and I sat there one day with my... All of it was on a computer. I, I, I built my own computer... I had like 185 gigs of music on my computer. If you don't know how much that is, it would take you about seven lifetimes to listen to all of it. It's a lot. And I sat there, I, I, I hit right click, and the little menu came up, and I put the mouse over the word delete. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know how long it took me to collect all this music and to have all this and... But now I belong to Jesus, and so I can't have this. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at it, and I, 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 I removed the mouse, and I didn't delete it. And so I'm sitting on YouTube, and, and somehow, I don't know how I came across it, but this documentary came up about music, a Christian documentary. And it went through all these music, music artists that they have clear documentation of starting in the 50s until now, and it really got weird when the music artists they, they were talking about were the people I listened to. And they're saying with their own mouth, I sold my soul to the devil to be where I am today. They literally say, some of them even said, one of them said, I was on a, on my, sitting on the hood of my car in the desert in Arizona, and I, I talked face to face with the devil, and I sold my soul to him to become a great musician. I went back to that folder, I right-clicked again, <laughs> delete. <laughs> it was gone. All right, so there's an intimate connection between music and Satan. In fact, one of the, the um, number one, the, the people who are propagating satanic ideas the most today are music artists. And some of them have really gone in the deep end in, in, in modern music. It used to be suggestive 
Now they just, they're just blatant and wide open with it. So you, you have to be careful. So anyways, the Lord... So here you have an example of a king who's under the control of Satan. God is judging that king and Satan at the same time. He's, he's, he's preparing a lamentation against them, both of them, because they're both responsible. That king didn't have to be under the control of the devil. He could have turned to God. He could have turned to the word of God. He could have sat down like the kings of Israel and made his own copy of the law. He could have done a number of things that would have helped him rule and reign in a godly manner, and he chose not to. Turn to uh, Daniel 10. We'll see two more examples. Daniel 10, and let's look at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came, un, came, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So here you have a prince, an unclean spirit, who is prince over the kingdom of Persia. And when this angel tries to come and deliver a message to Michael, he can't get to him. Because this prince of Persia withstands him, fights him, prevents him. So, so, I mean, if you think about that, in modern context, if God has, uh, God wants to uh, send a message down to earth and an angel tries to come down, he has to fight through these principalities and powers to get to God's people on earth. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to understand it. Just keep me in the dark about it. I don't want to be in my bed at night and look up and there's a bunch of angels fighting in the sky over me. Not until I have a glorified body, I don't. Maybe then we can talk about it. Uh, Look at verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I, I, I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. All right, so you have, you have these kings and these kingdoms, and they're being dominated by unclean spirits in the second heaven. They, they, they rule from there. In fact, we'll see that in, in, a, in, a, in a little bit if we get to it, maybe next time. I'm not sure if we'll get to it tonight. But um, the, the, these principalities and powers rule from heavenly places. All right, so you have the first heaven, which is our sky, and clouds and sun and all that, or, or at least the sun's not in our sky. It's, it's outside of it in the second heaven. But, but the first heaven is the firmament above us. It's the clouds. It's where the birds fly. It's where planes fly. It's, it's, it's our heaven here in earth. All right? The second heaven is the universe. And, and the Bible talks about it, that God stretched out the universe basically to hide himself from us to put a barrier between himself and us. Then you have the third heaven, which is where God's throne is. That's, that's the heaven everybody says they want to go to when they die. They don't do anything here that resembles heaven, but they, they hope when they get there, they can be in heaven, whatever that means. In their mind, that means they'll float around on a cloud drinking cocktails. Well, that's not what heaven is like, so you probably don't even want to go there. These principalities and powers have some level of control over the kings or governmental heads of these earthly nations. The Lord will judge both the nations and the principalities and powers that control them. Now, this judgment here appears to be the judgment of the principalities and powers. Jesus Christ goes to meet the Ancient of Days. We're going to see that in just a second. So Christ is in heaven. 
in the third heaven. The Ancient of Days goes down to the second heaven, judges the principalities and powers. Then it says in Daniel 7, we'll look at it in just a minute, that, that the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, is brought to the Ancient of Days. And then he gives the, he gives the Son of Man dominion. And when he gives him dominion, then he comes to earth. And he establishes his kingdom. Then the Lord Jesus Christ judges the nations, and then eventually you have the, the, the great white throne of judgment, and then the thousand-year millennial reign. Does that make sense? Okay. It could be. Um, I didn't look at it. Look at that in this context. I didn't think about it. So. If you remind me, I'll go look at it in this context. It would be interesting to add to this if it is. Uh, it sounds like it now that I think about it, but I would need to go look at the context of that and make sure. Yes? So, judging the king of Tyre and Lucifer, is he judging the king of Tyre in the past? Well, the, the passage that we read, is, it's a lamentation against, so it's a lamentation against them. Um, it, it's, as far as I know, and we'd have to go back and look at it again, no actual physical judgment was carried out yet. So Satan will be judged. We know exactly what's going to happen to Satan and how and when in the future. Um, but right now, the Lord's dealing with these principalities and powers that have dominion over territories on the earth. All right, and we're going to look at more of this in just a second, but if you remember, what, what did Satan tell Jesus when he tempted him? I own all the kingdoms. They're mine. I will give them to whomsoever I will. And Jesus, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give them to you. And Christ said, no, thank you. I'll go to the cross. I will shed my blood and let my father give them to me. So he could have bypassed all of that and received the kingdoms of this world from, from Lucifer, no problem. But then he would have been in sin. He would have violated his, his father's will. And he was not willing to do that. It just wasn't an option for him. So it's a lamentation against Satan. It's a coming judgment. Satan, we, we know what's going to happen to Satan, but this judgment that, that is happening with the Ancient of Days. So my purpose of showing you this is just to show you that the kings of the earth are controlled by unclean spirits. And, and we're going to look at some more verses on that in just a minute. But, but those, are, those passages where, where you have the, the prince of Grisha, he's saying, Grisha is my kingdom. I, I'm in control of what happens in Grisha. And so because of that, he has control over the heads of state and the governmental figures in Grisha. Then you have another one, the prince of Persia. And, and so same thing. All right. The, so set that aside. The only reason we brought this up was to demonstrate to you that Lucifer was in control of the king of Tyre. There's no other reason to bring that up. We're not talking about his judgment. Okay, that's a whole different matter, a whole different lesson. What we needed to see from that is that Lucifer was in control of him when God rebuked the king of Tyre. He was rebuking Lucifer through the king of Tyre because Lucifer was in control of him. All right, so, so 
we didn't go through the chapter to see what happened eventually to the king of Tyre. We know what's going to happen to Lucifer. That's, that's in the book of Revelation and dealt with very clearly. What we're talking about here is these, these unclean spirits in heavenly places in the, second, in the second heaven who have control over these kingdoms. In this passage in Daniel 7, the Ancient of Days is taking it from them. He's, there's, there's a judgment set up where he's judging these principalities and powers and he removes their dominion. He kills the beast. The beast is slain and his body destroyed. But then the other beasts that exist at that time are allowed to live for a season and a time. And that might give some indication as to where Lucifer gets his, his army later after the, after the thousand year millennial reign when he, when he tries to go against God again. It could be. It's not definitive. Okay, everybody with me so far? One person. <laughs> Monica, are you with me? Oh, great. All right. Well, let's keep going. Maybe it'll make sense. Go back to Daniel 7 and verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. Okay, so this is part of that judgment. You see what's happening? Whatever dominion you had, whatever throne you had, and, and remember, these are always connected. So you have, now you have uh, thrones, beasts, kings, kingdoms, and dominion. I mean, these are the Number one words that are used, uh, may, beast may not be at the number one, but it's, it's commonly used in the rest of this book of, of Daniel. They're, they're, the link there is, is, is tight. It's very close between them all. Right? It's important to keep in mind because it will help add context to, to certain passages that we read. It's not just some weird beast God is destroying. It's a king who has a kingdom and a throne. All right, and so back, back to, uh, where, where were we, verse 9? Uh, Daniel 7, verse 9. Be, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. All right, now that matches the description of God's throne in Ezekiel 28, um, let me make sure I have the right verse. Not Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 1. Did I write that verse down? I know I did, but it must be, I must bring it up later. But it's talking about that throne, it has a wheel of fire. All right? And so Ezekiel, Ezekiel describes this throne. All right? so, so you have this, this throne, there's this chair. This is a magnificent throne. All right, so you have this throne, and it, and it has these wheels, and they kind of intersect, and, they, and they, they surround the throne, and they're wheels of fire, and then, and then around that throne, you have, you know, around the throne, you have those cherubim uh, with the face of a lion, and the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle, and also there you have America, and you have... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's no bear, so Russia got left out of that one. So America's going to heaven to guard God. That's that's what's going to happen in the future, and so it, it just it makes no sense. So, um, 
anyways, that, that's what we're reading about that throne. That's what we're reading here. Um, now, this is the Ancient of Days upon his throne, right? Everybody see that so far? Yes? It's not a trick question. It's, I'm just confirming that you, you, you see that in this passage, the Ancient of Days is on his throne. Yes? All right. Now, look at Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. This dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, uh, that which shall not be destroyed. Okay, so the Ancient of Heaven comes down, the Ancient of Heaven, the Ancient of Days comes down, and he, and he tears down thrones. Right? So he's judging these principalities and powers that have dominion over the earth. And once that's done, then the Son of Man comes from the third heaven to the Ancient of Days in the clouds. And, and the Ancient of Days, the Father says, here's your dominion. Take it. And it will never be taken from you again. Then the Lord Jesus Christ comes to the earth in the clouds and judges the earth, sets up his kingdom, and it's an everlasting kingdom. Everybody see that in what we've read? All right, the Ancient of Days is God the Father. The Son of Man, obviously, is Jesus Christ. Uh, look Look at verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the judgment was set, and the books were opened. All right, so it's it's time here for judgment. Um, notice that that God, even God the Father, never performs judgment without opening the books. Why? Everything is recorded. And so this this ties into the knowledge of God and how much does he see and and all of that. It doesn't go off of what he knows or what he sees. He opens the books. And you're you're judged based on what's written in those books. Even these principalities and powers were judged based on what was written in those books. Um, Look at verse 11, chapter 7, verse 11. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Uh, so God the Father is, he's a bit upset and uh, he's going to deal with this stuff. Verse 12 As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives. Their lives were prolonged for a season and time. Okay, now, if this is a reference to the first three beasts in Daniel 7, that'd be the lion, the bear, and the leopard. What we read about in Daniel 10, the, the, uh, the dominion, the kingdom of the prince of Persia and the kingdom of the prince of Grisha. 
So we know, according to Daniel 10, that they have dominion. They have this power. They're directly connected to, that, that directly connects them to the bear and the lion. But it's an unclean beast who has power over these, these earthly kings and the earthly kingdom. Well, in this judgment, the Ancient of Days is going to take it away from them. And when he takes that dominion away from them, he's going to give it to the, to the Son of Man. Any questions so far? <laughs> All right, is everybody understanding this? Does it make sense? I'm not asking if you believe it. I'm just asking if you understand what I'm telling you so far. You follow the narrative up to this point. All right. And it does it fit in the passages that we've looked at so far? All right. Sorry to expose this to you. <laughs> All right. The, the, the rest of the beasts had their dominion taken away, and their li- but their lives were prolonged. Uh, when the dominion over these earthly territories was taken away, the dominion was given to the Son of Man. Therefore, at the end of time, just before the return of Jesus Christ, the principalities will be judged and their dominion will be given to Christ. Right, so this is just before the second coming. In fact, the second coming to the earth doesn't happen until this takes place. Ancient of Days judges those principalities and powers. He takes, he strips away their dominion. He gives that dominion. Then, then the Son of Man comes down to the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days gives that dominion. The Father gives that dominion to the Son, and then He has it. He has it forever. All right now, and again, we're going to look at more verses in, in just a moment. Oh, if we have time, uh, uh, we might try to run these verses quickly, and, and just so you can see some of this, so we don't leave you hanging with too much, uh, too many holes in your mind. Um, we know that all power is given to Jesus Christ when He rises from the dead, but He doesn't actually exercise that power. He doesn't even, it's not even until Revelation 11 when it says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of, of, of God and, and his Christ. So he, he doesn't take the, that dominion, those kingdoms, until, until it's time to come back. He doesn't exercise that power. Now, you and I, if you belong to Jesus Christ, we have a direct connection. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Our hope is not in a kingdom or a or a uh, you know a king or or the, you know the kingdom of heaven. None, none of that is our focus, right? If if your connection to Jesus Christ is hoping you make it to the millennial kingdom, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're probably not going to make it. But if your connection of Jesus Christ is I'm in His body, well, that's a whole different matter. I mean that's that's a whole different setup. And praise the Lord for it. Um, so Christ will judge the nations when he returns to the earth. Then he, he himself will deal with the nations and, and he will judge them. Um, so, then that, 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 so then this would be the potential order, potential order. I, this, it's hard to put these in any chronological order, but this is the potential order of the judgments. All right, so one, uh, you would have the judgment seat of Christ. Judging Christians after the rapture. So the Lord is going to rapture the church away, and then at some point during that seven years in heaven, we will go through the judgment seat of Christ. Number two, then, would be the Ancient of Days 
judging principalities and powers. Number three would be the judgment of nations. And then number four, the final one, uh, if you don't include Satan's final judgment or Babylon's final judgment, the Lord does judge them and deal with them, but these, these larger overarching judgments, the final one would be the great white throne. And that's for <clears throat> primarily for the lost. All right, we've got five minutes. Let's run some of these verses very quickly. Look at Ephesians 1. Uh, many of them are close together, so it'll go fast. I, won't, I will try my best not to keep you late or too long after. But we might go a minute or two. Depends on how slow Skyler is. He's got to turn to passages while holding that big jug in his hand, so... Ephesians 1, and I'm telling Savannah, she, you, better not, you better not give her a hard time. She blessed you by giving you a huge water tank. I think a shark could live in that thing. All right, all right, let's, let's run these. Uh, verses 19 through 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. All right, so uh, verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet and, get, and gave him to uh, be the head over all things to the church, which it is the body, the fullness of him, which filleth all and all. Okay, so there you see the connection of principality, power, might, dominion. All right, those, those are intimately connected. Right, it's just like going back to our thrones, beast, dominion, or uh, uh, yeah, dominion, king, kingdom. They're all, they're all connected. All right, and so the Lord, the Lord is over these principalities and powers. In fact, when they saw him on earth in, in uh, Mark chapter 1 or chapter 2, uh, it said, we know thee who thou art. Thou art the Holy One of God. Uh, when, he, when, he, when, he, um, when he was judging the, that legion that, was, that, that wanted to go in the swine, uh, they said, are you here to judge us before the time? <laughs> What are you doing here? We didn't expect to see you here. <laughs> Don't hurt us, please. <laughs> and so, so they, they know they're subject to him. They understand that. But the Lord has not taken up that power yet. He cast them out of people. And if you want to be set free, he'll set you free from them. But he hasn't judged them yet and dealt with them specifically yet. But that day is coming. Uh, look at chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Ephesians 3. Verses 9 through 10. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things in Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in where? 
All right, so where do the principalities and powers reign from? So they're not floating around among us and, and you know, like Casper the Friendly Ghost or any of that. Now, there's no doubt they, they indwell people at times here. They may come down and deal with people and, and, and all of that. I'm not telling you that they don't come and interact with people just like angels come and interact with people. The Lord said you might have enter- entertained angels unaware. You don't even know that you did it. They were there. All right, so, so, but their, their dominion, their power, their headquarters, where they work from, it's in heavenly places. And the Ancient of Days is going to go down there and he's going to, he's going to strip them of their dominion. He's going to kill the beast, but he's going to let the rest of them live for a time, just a little while. <laughs> and then they'll be dealt with. Everybody see that so far? All right, Gross is looking at me like, all right. Uh, therefore, at the end of time, no, that's not what I want. Where am I at? Um, these unclean spirits control governmental figures from heavenly places. Uh, this would be the second heaven between earth and the third heaven. Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness, where? Okay, is that at the top of the Renzori Mountains? What's the high places? It's principalities and powers. It's governments. These are are elemented figures in the world. And principalities and powers, these unclean spirits, have reign over them. If, if they choose to subject themselves to it, they don't have to let, let them reign over them. Everyone has a choice, right? We're, we're going to look in a minute at, um, uh, or we'll, yeah, actually it's the next verse. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We'll just go ahead and read it, and then I'll say what I was going to say. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Um, now, if you, you go soul winning a lot, we, we use 2 Corinthians 4.3 often. You know, uh, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Well, why are they lost? Well, the, the God of this world ha- hath blinded the minds of them, but, but why has he blinded their minds? Because they believe not. They chose to reject God so Satan can have his way with them. All right, so look, look at the verse, verse 4. In whom the God of this world... Okay, so who is the God of this world? Satan. Who's in control of this world? Satan. So think about that the next time you say, God's in control. Of what? Or at least be specific. Say, God's in control of me. Because <laughs> if you say God's in control of this world, there's some people in Ukraine receiving bombs from Russia wondering what God is doing. There's a woman being raped wondering why God is doing this to her. And it's not God. All right, so God is not in control of this world. Now God will have his way. Nothing will stop that. The Lord said, "None unto me are all my works. So whatever I have decided I'm going to accomplish, it will be accomplished. But right now, this world is in the control of Lucifer. So when you tell people, God's in control, well, who's your God? Because <laughs> Lucifer's in control of this world. So are you professing your fidelity to Lucifer right now? I'm not sure what, what, what you're talking about. All right, so, so now, but the point of the verse, for, for we that are in this 
uh, back to verse or chapter four, verse four, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They can believe the gospel. They chose not to believe it. And once you make that decision, I'm not believing it. You open the door to be to to blindness and control by Lucifer. It was the same thing for the king of Tyre, the same thing for the president of Uganda and the president of America and the president of every other country or the king of every other country, whatever it is, whoever your government power is, if they don't subject themselves to God, they're opening the door to being controlled by the principalities and powers of this world who rule and reign from heavenly places. Everybody see that so far? All right. I'm not making it up. I promise. Look at Luke 4. Just a few more real fast. Sorry, I forgot we are on a time crunch. Luke 4, verse 4. As it is written, uh, that's not Luke 4. Luke 4, verse 4. Uh, and Jesus answered saying, uh, saying, it is written that man should not live by, by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5. And the devil taking him up into an high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Verse 6. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And the Lord didn't say, you don't know what you're talking about. The Lord didn't correct him. And then what does the devil say? And to whomsoever I will, I give it. So you got all these music artists. I want to be famous. I want, I want to be rich. I want the whole world to know me. I want to be a great singer. I want to do all these wonderful things. And Satan says, I have the power to give it all to you. It's all mine. And they say, well, what do you want? I want your soul. Okay. You're going to make me rich and famous here and now. I'll trade my soul for eternity. That is an idiotic trade-off. And this is what people do. They're short-sighted and they start looking at the world in front of them. They say, I want to be great, rich, powerful, healthy, happy now. Okay, well, now could be 30 years, could be 40 years, could be 70. Some people go up to 80. Very few go up to 100. Have you thought about eternity? You're going to change maybe 100 years, exchange 100 years for eternity? What you should be doing now is laboring for eternity. It's a long-term mindset, serving the Lord now so that you have a blessed eternity. Now, if you're saved, you're going to be with the Lord. But the Lord wants you to strive and to serve and to give and to labor to earn rewards and crowns and all these other wonderful things that he wants to give you in exchange for your service now. The devil says, I'll make you rich and famous now. Just don't worry about eternity. God says, I'm not worried about how you live now. If you're a pauper living in the dirtiest place on earth, I expect you to serve me now. I will reward you in eternity. And that difference is, is, is massive. And if you don't get it, you're, gonna end up, you're not going to live with your, your affections set on things above. You, you, you'll be misguided. 
All right, now, uh, quickly, turn to Colossians 1. I'll pay you overtime for staying. In eternity. (laughs) Colossians 1, verses 12 through 18. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. All right, praise the Lord for that. Verse 13. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So the Lord made these principalities and powers and dominions. Now, he didn't make them to be evil. If you you go back far enough, and if you believe what I believe about Genesis 1 and 1-2 and all that good stuff, whatever... They had a choice. A number of angels stayed with the Lord, and a number of angels went with Lucifer. That was their choice. And it looks like, according to Revelation, it might happen again in the future. Right? So they, didn't have, they were made by the Lord for His pleasure, and they chose to go against Him. And they chose that short-sighted, give me dominion here and now over the earth, only to be cast into the lake of fire at some point in the future, for eternity. Not a good trade-off. Look at chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We're going to talk about the word Godhead in just a second. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of, of God. All right, so if you belong to God, you escape this trouble with principalities and powers. You belong to Jesus Christ. He's head over them. I'm not subject to the devil. People are like, well, if I see the devil, I'll... No, if you see the devil, run. You see an unclean spirit, don't I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. He might say, Paul, I, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> Leave. You belong to Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in that garbage. You don't play with unclean spirits. They're powerful. But we're subject to Jesus Christ. That's, that's not a concern of ours. Right, but if you're, head of, if, you're, if, you're the, if you're the king of Saudi Arabia, well, you have a choice. Follow principalities and powers and be controlled by, the, by the, the evil spirits from the second heaven or trust in Jesus Christ. Well, the king of Saudi Arabia doesn't trust in Jesus Christ. So guess what's going to happen in Saudi Arabia? They're going to be swayed by principalities and powers. They call him Muhammad. <laughs> An unclean spirit. <laughs> Look at Romans 1. All right, so we saw, the, we saw there the word Godhead. And the word Godhead was connected 
to Christ being head over principalities and powers. Right? That, that was the context of what I was talking about there. You know, so what a lot of people do is they say, oh, Godhead, what, what does Godhead mean? And if you have been told this, well, praise the Lord. Maybe I shouldn't tell you. What people say is, well, Godhead means Trinity. Well, it doesn't mean Trinity. And, and the reason they say that is because they go to Romans 1 and they say, well, see, it's talking about the creation. And since there's a, the creation has time, space, and matter, then what Godhead means is Trinity. It makes no, if you're looking at me like I'm, like I'm retarded, and, and that's, but that's what they teach. They, they look at different aspects of the earth that have a Trinity, and they say that because Romans 1 mentions the word Godhead, and it's talking about the creation, the creation has Trinities in it in different places, so they must be, the Godhead must mean Trinity. That makes no sense whatsoever. All right, now, each member of the Godhead, which is a trinity, has the fullness of the Godhead, which is power and authority. Now, in Colossians, Godhead, Christ, meant he was head over principalities and powers, even in a body of flesh. So he comes to the earth, well, now he's just a man. No, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. You better go sit down and shut up. And they did. Please don't hurt us. Please don't judge us before the time. We know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. They understood when they saw that man in a body of flesh, the fullness of the Godhead, the full power of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. You understand that? Everybody see that? All right, now look at Romans 1. We'll see it again. You'll see the connection to to power. Romans 1, verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All right, so, so Godhead is, is a, it's, it's like a title that, des- that describes the power and ability of God. Uh, remember in, in Hebrews 1, it says, uh, and, and God the Father told the angels, worship him. But, but that's a man in a body of flesh. No, that's God in a body of flesh. Jesus Christ is God the Son who came to earth, took on a body of flesh. Just because he's in that body of flesh, he does not lack the power of the Godhead. You still worship him. But isn't he a man? Yes, he's a man. But he's also God. Both are completely true, and you have to have both in order to have the Jesus of the Bible, or you don't have the Jesus of the Bible. You have a different Jesus. All right? Everybody with me on that so far? All right, last verse. Revelation 11, and I'll stop holding you hostage. You will have endured to the end. Verse 15, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world 
the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That doesn't happen until Revelation 11. I mean, we're, we're deep into the tribulation at this point. And then the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. So the God of this world has the kingdoms of this world right now. That's Lucifer. His principalities and powers, his unclean spirits, have control over certain territories in this world. And the territories they control, they control the kings, the presidents, the prime ministers, the, 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 the whatever. Who, which, whichever of them has decided to, subject, to reject Jesus Christ and either go at this on their own or have, has openly chosen to subject themselves to Lucifer, they are under his sway and under his control. Everybody's trying to figure out who is really the president of the United States. Have you heard our president talk? But that's, that's, that's a misstatement. He can't talk. It's gibberish. He's so old and out of his mind. He's like, just, you know, describe this in one word. What? He's completely out of his mind. Somebody is in control. Who is it? Nobody has a clue. In fact, that's, if you turn on the news, especially conservative news in America, and that's what everybody's talking about, who is in control of Joe Biden right now? That the man couldn't, he couldn't sit down and eat a bowl of motoke by himself. Somebody would have to feed it to him. He's lost his mind. He's old. He's fragile. He's, he's not in control. Somebody is. Somebody is directing the United States right now, culturally speaking, in an unbelievably ungodly direction. Who is it? That'd be my guess. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or the, the, the eagle, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways, all right. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.